Ready, set, go. Hi, and welcome to Green Grasses. I'm Amy. And I'm Carla. And we are here today from my kitchen. Once again. Once again. Um, we uh, are going to have our guest for today, which we're excited about. But before I introduce her, uh, we will have our sports minute with Carla um, verse of the week with Carla yep and it's the triple dipper it's it's the book review with Carla yep today's will be quick though yeah um, and then we're gonna get to talking on our subject but before we get to that I would like to introduce our guest so our guest today is Lori hello hi um, Lori has been married to her sweet husband Jeff for 43 years they have four kids and five grandkids they've been attending GBC our church for 13 years 14, 14 years yes. oh i crossed out 13 and wrote 13 it's <laughs> wrong 14 years and have enjoyed serving in various capacities including rocking the babies where um they met steve Stephen carla mm -hmm. remember i remember a long time ago mm -hmm. and then serving coffee um yeah. taking and retaking wellspring and build Many times. those are our, our women's and men's bible studies mm -hmm. and um Laura even got to co-lead Saturday Wellspring with Sarah Demarest, which was amazing mm -hmm. because every time anyone gets to hang out with Sarah, it's a blessing, yes. and it is true. Um, Jeff has served as deacon of benevolence and even did worship team for a while with me. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. Um, Lori earned her, er, her master's of education from NAU and has taught kids from preschool up to second grade. Although retired, she, is used, uh, she has used her training as a reading specialist to tutor several children in her home over the years. Mm -hmm. um, now she gets to help her grandkids with their schooling. The pay is not so great, but the benefits are amazing. <laughs> um, when not busy grandparenting, you can find Lori and Jeff at the gym, mm -hmm. walking their Yorkie poo, um, or reading and listening to podcasts. Yay. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you. It's fun to be in Amy's kitchen. Do you have a song for that? Amy? No. <laughs> We're working on no, it. No, no song for the kitchen yet. Cool. And, well, I just need to say how much I love Lori. Mm -hmm. because God has used Lori in my life. I think in a way, I was thinking back on this, I didn't really expect it. I asked Lori to spend some time with me because I just felt like I needed to get to know her. Mm -hmm. And we started reading the book, The Peacemakers. Yeah. And right as we started, things got very complicated between me and my dad and his health. He was in Guatemala. And to some extent, I mean, that book helped me through it, but we kind of put it aside and we talked a lot just about what to do. Dad issues. Yeah, so many. <laughs> and just family issues yeah. and how to honor the Lord. And that was an unexpected blessing. It was for and me, too. it was too. just a provision from the Lord at a time that I don't think I knew I needed it. And God just knew I did. And so it was a sweet time. And I just remember back to our conversations. Because I remember just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know. Mm. You know, there's so many questions and so many things that um, I just was kind of at a loss for. And so it was, it was a sweet time to be able to talk mm -hmm. with you, get counsel, and just and have someone just to that pray was, yeah, together. Yeah, just to pray. And I feel like yeah. it just, I was so encouraged. And it just, it was another yeah. way that I just felt so cared for mm, in a God. time that um, was very uncertain of what I needed to be doing. So yeah, that was a hard time. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. But I, you know, God brings people into your life. And at mm -hmm. that time, God brought you into my life. Mm -hmm. So I'm so thankful for that. 
And I'm just thankful for your love for books and love for learning, <laughs> and that spurs me on. So it was mutual. Thank you. The reading specialist mm-hmm. likes that you read. <laughs> I read slowly. I do too. I have, I, well, this book review, I had reading comprehension issues mm-hmm. with this one, so you might need to help me. But anyway. <laughs> I just love that there's, again, older women, older men in our church that, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like you can go to. And yeah. They just pray with you and be real with you. Mm-hmm. And like, how amazing is that? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I love that. That's yeah. so great. All right, Carla. What are we on? Take me out to the ball <laughs> game with Carla. I have to ring this bell. <laughs> and explain. The classroom teacher bell. <laughs> it's not just any bell. It's a baseball bell. <laughs> Lori brought it to me today, and I'm so excited. So... Anyway, great. we have a picture thing. for the yes. blog. You'll see the baseball bell. <laughs> Very exciting. Okay, so it has been a big week in sports. I know you are all so excited to hear. On the edge of my seat. I know, I know. Um, so the NFL, well, that one is kind of uneventful. This week is the draft, though, so I will have a report next week on what the Cardinals did. And we'll see. I don't know these players very well, so it's not going to mean a whole lot to me, but I'll see the fruit of it during the season. So, the Suns. Okay. Are you ready? We're ready. So they beat, <laughs> they beat the Knicks. That was a big deal because they had, it was a five game, five road game, I don't know, series or whatever they call it in basketball. I'm not sure. They were not expected to beat the Knicks and they did. And the Knicks are really, really good. What does Knicks mean? I don't know. Knickerbockers. Is it really? What does that mean? Is it what they used to wear? Those Knickerbockers? Those. Why would they name their team that? I don't know. Well, like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's odd. Huh. Okay, right? just curious. Okay. Yeah, yeah sorry. No, I, don't, I don't know. I have not done <laughs> extensive research on team names. <laughs> so, anyway, so they're still second in the Western Conference, and it's just so exciting to see them play and do well. Uh, the last time, I think I'm really going to watch these playoffs, okay? So the last time that I watched NBA playoffs and finals like from beginning to end I was in junior high school and the Lakers were playing the Pistons so if you're familiar with that time frame it was a very long time ago Isaiah Thomas was playing on the um, Pistons and now his son is playing so I watched yeah. See, I feel like basketball really needs to like up their game on their name there's the Pelicans too <laughs> and the Jazz and I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they have weird names. And I think the Nets. The what? The, is it Nets? Nuts? No, Nets. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Huh. Well, There's Pistons. The Mavericks. They were, that's in cars, right? So yeah. possibly yeah. they were yeah. where oh, automobiles okay. were made. I mean, yeah. I could, right. I, could, I could bring some history <laughs> into this on how teams Sorry. got I, I know names. this is totally an aside, but so. like, I was just wondering. Yeah, anyway. no, I don't know. Yeah. I know about some NFL teams and how they got their names. I don't know NBA. You need to bring so. along a research assistant. <laughs> Anybody want to volunteer? Anyway. Um, okay, so that's, that's the Suns. It's getting exciting. They're still, you know, they're just holding strong. So I'm just excited to see, the, see them in the playoffs. I'm excited to even have a reason to watch the playoffs. Um, and then the D-backs, they had 
an amazing weekend. Okay, so last week I talked about how they were 6 and 10, mm-hmm. and they were trying to get to 500, which is the same mm-hmm. amount that they have won and the same amount that they have lost, and that mm-hmm. seems like really an insurmountable, sound, insurmountable goal because of where they were at. They are now 11 and 11, so they have reached 500. Um, on, was it Saturday? They played against the Braves. They had a doubleheader. And both of those games were only seven innings. I think it's because of doubleheader. I think that might be a new rule. I actually need to catch up on that. So Zach Gallen had almost a no-hitter. Almost. It was There was a defensive miscue, and, and the ball got away. And so there was one hit the whole game. Now, if you know what a hit wow. is, it's just a base hit. But for a pitcher to do seven innings without a single base hit is amazing. amazing. It's Hmm. almost impossible. It does not happen very often. What's sad about it is because of one defensive mistake, the no-hitter's gone. And because it was a seven-inning game, it won't officially count as a no-hitter. And the reason that's sad Hmm. is because the next game, that same afternoon, Madison Bumgardner who played the most amazing game that he's had since being with the Giants, actually did hit a no, did get a no-hitter. Like, zero hits. So they, the first game, the score, I think, was, was... I have it written down. Do I? The first game was, like, 5-0 against the Braves, and the second game was 7-0. And it's not going to officially count as a no-hitter, but it should be. Maybe with an asterisk. I don't know. So it was just, it was so fun to just see them play so well. So that just made me excited. Now, the Diamondbacks have a history of like, they get to 500 and then they lose some games and then they get back up to 500 and then they lose some games and then they give, and we do this, you know, seesaw kind of a thing. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see if they stay true to their history. Uh, But I was excited to see them get to 500 at this point. And I was talking to someone about my sports minute, and he had the idea to do some stat definitions so we could, you know, raise the level of awareness on some of our baseball knowledge. So I'm going to be doing that in the next um, in the next few weeks. I didn't have one today because I was so excited to talk about the Diamondbacks. Um, and so I'll explain like ERA, RBI, WHIP, WAR, batting averages, things like that, so that um, we can all learn a little bit more. I'm sure everyone is very excited. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> so I okay. I love watching good pitching. I love it. It's like my favorite thing in the world. I know some people. It's boring to some, but like in baseball, it's my in my opinion, like it's all about the pitching. If you've got awesome pitching, you'll win games all the time. So it's just so excited <laughs> to see good pitching. So anyway, that's my sports. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That was a lot of information. I'm crazy. No, no. You know, you're passionate about things. I like Mary Poppins. (laughs) I'm sure I I would like it if I would would have seen it. Carla has never seen Mary Poppins all the way through. through. And I like we were just discussing this before of how Jeff calls me Mary Poppins practically perfect in every (laughs) way. Oh my sister Laura. We, I don't remember why. I though. love Mary Poppins. Yeah, you're like um, practically perfect in every way. <laughs> and we sometimes wish that we had like the bag that we yes. could just stuff all yes. of our stuff in yes. and like 
have it all neat and tidy in there. Happy childhood memories. Yes. Just a spoonful of sugar helps See, the and medicine. Now, now I'm the one with the blank stare because I'm like, I don't get the context because I've never seen it all the way through. Oh, so fun. Now, the, did you see the, the sequel? Yes. Was it good? It was, it was okay. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't Julie Andrews. Yeah. Well, she right. did a good you job. You just can't top The Julie first Andrews. one just as amazing. Now, was she like a new Julie Andrews or was it a new character? No, she was like supposed to be Julie Julie Andrews. Andrews. Oh, see, that's hard. That's hard to top. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, I mean, she did an okay job. Mm -hmm. I like her as an actress. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. What's her name? Blunt. Oh yeah, Emily Blunt. Yeah. Um, And I mean, the fact that she's married to John Krasinski, Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) from The Office. Yeah. Jim. I'm going, but who is that? <laughs> 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 I haven't seen the. There you go. There you go. I know. So, but yeah. about that, but yeah. yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, but it's more know. like if you like strange comedies, you like The Office. <laughs> if you have a weird sense of humor, weird like humor. Amy, you'll like The, the Office. office. Yeah. Anyway. anyway, okay. So now let's let's talk um, about Jesus. Let's be serious <laughs> now. <laughs> going to our verse of the week. That's right. So I'm going to take the next uh, section from Psalm 107 from the Psalms of Primer for Prayer. So I'm going to read uh, Psalm 107, 10 to 17, and then I will read the parallel prayer that goes to that. Uh, so there were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled, and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. Fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. So I'm going to read the the prayer that goes to that. Thank you, Father, for humbling my heart and opening my eyes to the misery of my rebellion, which led me to cry to you for mercy and deliverance. You are a good... And you are good, and your loving kindness is everlasting. Humble my heart if I ever rebel against your word. You are my deliverer. You set me free from the bondage to sin and its consequences, Lord God. Lord Jesus, you accomplished these deeds. You are the Lord who calmed the seas and rescued his distressed disciples. Thank you that they did extol you in the congregation of people and we have and we have the we have the report preserved in the spirit inspired word of god that was it it's <laughs> perfect for this i week. know i was mm-hmm. just thinking that too right yeah. right yeah okay so now chapter 7 of and of the character of nations, I actually don't really have it ready because it has to do with the family and nature. And as I was reading it, I felt like I understood it. And then I was talking to Steve about it because when you're talking about the structure of family, I started thinking about, well, where does family come from? Family, you know, marriage was instituted by God. And so how does the government relate to marriage? How does the government relate to children in marriage? 
how does nature reflect what God has done when it comes to marriage and children? And I started going on so many tangents <laughs> in my own mind that um, I, I wasn't quite getting to where what Angela Codivia was saying, I think. I'm not sure. And so because I was kind of all over the place, and we always want to read with the author's intent, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was ready to come and talk about it because I'm not sure that I understand his intent yet because I started kind of thinking about what I think about it as a believer and then I started mixing it up with what he says and he's not a Christian. So a lot of what he was talking was about nature and then we started talking about like with Steve about like, well, if God made marriage, how does the government, how does that relationship work when God makes God is the one that made marriage, and then here comes the government, and they define marriage, and so should we not even have the government define marriage? And it just, I'm not at a place where I could say that I understood what he meant. So I do need to go back again, and then hopefully I'll have something for you next week. <laughs> so, so this is chapter seven, right? This is chapter seven, and it's and I think it's really important to really get to the place where I understand it because it's so foundational to our society. Family, we you know when you see the breakdown of the family, you see uh, all of these things that happen in our society. So I think it's important to understand that, and I think it's important to understand how when government intervenes in the family, there are consequences. Yeah. So I don't want to skip over it, but I want to be accurate and I want to make sure I understand his intent. And I also want to make sure I understand uh, a biblical point of view from uh, once I understand what Angela Cotevia is saying. So I'm not quite there yet. And it was last night and I was like, I'm not going to get there in time. (laughs) So I'm just going to stop, kind of review it again and make sure I understand what's happening in that chapter. I've been enjoying your... Reviews. Yes. Yes. Good. Um, I Yay. have been, and it's been it's been an eye opener, and mm-hmm. it's been good, and I've been telling Jeff about it, um, and we've been mm-hmm. discussing it. So that's so exciting. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, scary, mm-hmm. you know, to see where other nations have been and where we're going, where we're right. headed, yeah. um, and so we need to know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, God is sovereign over that. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly where we're going, but mm-hmm. awareness mm-hmm. as we uh, have families and as they go to, you know, our kids, we send yeah. our kids to school, mm-hmm. as we send our kids to even uh, be with other friends, you know, we've got to know Just what, how people the world. are thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and even last night, Sydney, we were talking about something, and Sydney said something, well, I don't want to hear about it. And it was, because it was hard. It was, you know, and, and I... You know, I told her, you know, we need to understand our world. You can't go in, out into the world and not know the evil that is out there. Now, obviously, yeah. I'm not going to get all, you know, detailed some things with yeah. her. But it's important. And so... You don't so, want to be overly naive to right, and not believe, be able to fight that battle. Especially exactly. because our kids are in a church bubble. Yes. In a, to, in, you know, to a certain extent. And so I want to make sure that as they grow, they understand. And really, just teaching them scripture Mm-hmm. teaches them a lot about the just, world and well, and just heart. teaching them how to think about those things right. not just we're not going to talk about them yes. but like how should we how think should about we, this right. and what's right what's yeah. wrong as mm-hmm. they grow to grow in discernment exactly. you know? so that when they it, it confront it because they will they will mm-hmm. right? they can remember oh yeah we this already, is mm-hmm. something i need to know that what this person is telling me 
might not be the truth. Yeah. And so this is what mom taught me. Mm-hmm, right. And even have it. them say, oh, mm-hmm. my mom talked to me about mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. I already have an idea about it, you know. So, um, so, so I feel like this chapter is extremely important for our society because it's about the family and all of that. So I really, I want to dive into it, and I, but I want to give a good, a good review of the chapter. Yeah. So. so next week, I hope so. We, yeah. we I might mean, I, a week should be enough because I've already, I read through most of it. So I just need to now go back and, and how many chapters is the book? There's 13 books, 13 books, 13 <laughs> chapters. We're not going to okay. finish. Yeah. And I just decided at first I was like, I got to get through the book. And I'm like, no, what's important is the content and we'll get through it as we yeah. can. And mm-hmm. if we don't finish it, well, that's okay. It's yeah. just what the Lord wills, as Cameron would say, <laughs> it's the Lord's will. All right. Well, awesome. Well, let's then go back over to Lori, because we would love to talk with you about your life Mm -hmm. and what the Lord has done in your life. So why don't we just start with your testimony? Yeah. Well, thanks. Before you even start, I just want to say, just from an outsider, having listened to your podcasts, I'm thrilled you're doing this Um, with COVID with the you know the, the everyone in their homes mm-hmm. and um, not having not having had the chance to be going to women's ministry mm-hmm. nights and doing all that and then I myself had COVID and was real mm-hmm. sick so I was homebound and just to hear women mm-hmm. of Grace Bible Church just to listen to them in my living room while I'm resting mm-hmm. um, getting better it, it's a treat it's oh, a you, gift, Lori. and I, I missed that fellowship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with um, we have a grandson that's very severely immunocompromised, mm-hmm. and so we haven't been able to just be out there. And that again has mm-hmm. been a, a real gift to have the women just in my living room <laughs> through oh, my a, cell phone. Yeah. Thank you, Lori. So that's um, an encouragement to us yeah. for sure. So yeah. I'm sure I'm glad to be here in Amy's kitchen behind the scenes. And I'm such a listener to podcasts, so this is like what I get to be on. I get to hear your voice, <laughs> and I'm glad you shared from Psalm 107, Carla. Um, I just want to reiterate: give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say mm-hmm. so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. I might start crying already (laughs) because that's my story. That's all of our stories, right? Mm -hmm. He has redeemed us from the hand of the adversary. adversary. So praise God, because this is a story of how God has just tenderly pursued me Mm -hmm. through the years. And um, I did have some years of really reckless rebellion and running. as far as I could and as foolishly as I could from from wisdom and how he just used um, just tender care and what I like to call tenderizing care in my life to draw me to himself. So everyone who's listening, I just thought a, a key takeaway as you listen to my testimony might be that though we do not understand or we may not understand all of God's ways we can be confident that all things are within the good and sovereign bounds of our Heavenly Father. And so um, I grew up, it's an interesting story, my mom is actually Croatian, 
So her mom is Austrian and her dad is Croatian. So she was born in, in near Zagreb, which is the capital of Croatia. And my dad was born in a small town near Minneapolis, Minnesota. And how on earth they met, that's a, that's a fun story. I'll just make it real quick. Well, my mom was going to university in Zagreb and my dad in university in Minnesota. And they both saw um, a just a poster about an opportunity to study for a year in Berlin as a student as a college student and they applied for this scholarship and lo and behold they both got it <laughs> and they uh, met in Berlin so both students learning German literature you know German they both wanted to, to teach in university setting and both going for their PhDs oh, wow. after they graduated um, so uh, they met and married and then my dad had to go back because visa's over and my mom had to finish school and then she came over on the ship. So uh, she came over, wow. that's where she lived in Minneapolis and then they had my brother and then they had me. And uh, till third grade, I lived in Minnesota and it was a real sweet childhood, a lot of, um, you know, going to summer camp and singing those silly songs that they teach you in summer camp and just having a great time. And then my dad got a, a job opportunity. He got his PhD finally and um, was hired to University of Alberta, a different U of A than here. Um, and so we headed north to Alberta. Wow. Um, very cold, mm -hmm. very cold. And I got to be in grade three, I mean grade four, as they call it. They don't say third grade, grade fourth four. grade. Grade four. <laughs> I had to learn God Save the Queen and O Ooh. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and then we lived there grade four and five. And then my dad uh, got a different job in Ontario. And so in between, we'd been in Germany because by then my grandmother had moved to Germany. So back and forth. So my uh, you brother. You had a very exotic childhood. Kind of different. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because I learned German. That was my first language. Oh, because really? we actually lived in Vienna, Austria, for a year. Oh, wow. Part of my dad's So interesting, Lori. Life. So many got, things I didn't know about <laughs> yeah. you. He got a, a scholarship to study in in Vienna for a year so off we went and came back and uh, learned English and so in our home we spoke German that was what we spoke do you yeah. sp still speak German? Mm -hmm. Yeah, really? kann, <laughs> Deutsch sprechen, yeah. Oh. Um, a little bit. I mean, I do. I, I mean, who do you practice with? Right, here? right, and right. I think there's an, uh, maybe two or three other people in our church that speak German. Oh, really? And that's it. So um, uh, I got to go back. We got to go back to Germany for a year um, in, when I was in 10th grade. So yeah, I, I did school in the United States, in Canada, in Germany, and back in the United States. I went to three high schools in three countries. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. Wow. <laughs> um, that year in Germany was where I first 
got exposed to the gospel, believe it or not. And it was through street evangelism. So the reason we were there is my dad at my dad's university in Ontario, Canada, and a university in Mannheim, Germany, had a, a relationship where they would exchange students and professors for a year. So my dad took a bunch of grad students, I don't know how many there were, maybe 20, and, and my mom and my brother and I, we all lived there for a year. And as professor from that university, lived in our house, for a year and taught at the university and and wow. that that was an amazing year i was uh, in 10th grade as i said and uh, i was a guest scholar they thought it was pretty cool that i was a canadian american <laughs> and so basically they said just come and sit in class and get the experience you don't have to do any homework <laughs> Woo! Nice. you just kind of get to be here wow that was kind of fun wasn't it can you imagine um i still took uh some correspondence classes but life was pre- pretty free. My parents wanted us to experience the whole culture, everything. And uh, so they didn't have many rules or restrictions on my brother and me. We pretty much could just do. And uh, my brother came running home one day. We lived in a sweet apartment right down in the midst of town. It's a beautiful city. And professors in Germany have kind of a a status they are mm. thought of as someone to be respected and you know so we were given a lot of status a lot of wonderful privileges um, kind of lived like uh, royalty in a little way mm-hmm. but I have nothing else to compare it to it's like wow we get this apartment and we get all this wonderful uh, all these privileges this is great so we got to go on a lot of trips and really explored a lot of of Europe. So my brother came home one day and said, Lori, you've got to come with me. And he brought me to some street evangelists (laughs) who, I think it was called Christ for Europe, and they told me the gospel for the first time. Now, I'd been raised in in church. My mom's raised Catholic because in, in Croatia, you're either Catholic or you're Muslim. Mm-hmm. So it's a lifestyle, and it's a religion, it's a culture. Mm-hmm. So, so they, my dad was raised Protestant, so they decided to just expose my brother and me to something kind of in between, meeting in the middle. So it was the Anglican Church. It's Episcopalian okay. kind of Anglican. Um, and so we'd gone to church pretty faithfully, but there, these street evangelists told me that um, it's not enough to believe that Jesus died for your sin, because I thought that, I, I thought, yeah, I agree with that, yeah, he died for me, he, or not, not me, he died for everybody, that's mm-hmm. what I thought, mm-hmm. he just died on the cross, and everybody's sins are taken care of, and he rose again, and that's great, so we never talked about sin growing mm. up or it was just like something that was dealt with and these people said you you have sin and you need to make 
sure that you ask God for forgiveness of your sin or it's not going to apply to you. That's kind of how they mm-hmm. they worded it. And I thought, what? Why didn't anyone ever tell me this? You know. <laughs> so right away I was excited about it and I prayed the prayer with them right there and got a Bible. And then they said, okay, now go to church and read your Bible every day and bye. <laughs> and I went running home and, oh, they said, be, you got to be baptized. Okay. And I went running home and I was, you know, 14 and told my parents and my dad said, but you were baptized as a kid. So, uh, so it's done. It's done. <laughs> and so I read my Bible for a while and uh, that was about it. Life went back to life went back to life. In the meantime, I um, kind of was exposed to what it is like to get attention from people older than you, and it wasn't in a good way. And so my parents, um, you know, took us on all these excursions with the uh, grad students, and I'm 14, and they're grad students, they're older, and they're doing hash and you know smoking and drinking and they thought it was really kind of fun to get the professor's daughter high and not let dad and mom see you know and so I fell right into that and actually liked the attention that I got and uh, I got a lot of it and I went right along with it and I would just say I was a foolish girl with no backbone. That's the only way I can say it. Mm-hmm. Um, just a fool, and that's why I'm just so grateful I'm even alive today because some of the foolish choices I did. Mm-hmm. And so we went back to Canada after that year, and now I'm in um, 11th grade, and my parents said, uh, you guys have to now be on like a regular life. <laughs> there's a, you know, there's a curfew and this and that. Well, I wasn't having any of it. And so I became the most excellent of deceivers. So if you would ask me, are you a Christian? I would say, yeah. But no, obviously not because... Um, the father of lies, I followed him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it was obvious from my behavior. And the more my parents um, caught me, the better I got at deceiving, mm-hmm. and the better I got at sneaking out and doing mm-hmm. the things that I did, and, and I was very reckless, very, very reckless. And I'm just, I'm very ashamed of it, and at the mm-hmm. same time, just so grateful that God spared my life on several occasions. My parents pushed harder. They were scared for me. And I got caught in some massive lies. And the harder they pushed, the harder I rebelled to where I just thought I'm just going to end it all. And I tried. And they were thinking, we've got to do something with this daughter or she's not going to be alive so in come my grand my sweet grandparents I had one grandma and grandpa that lived in Sun City Arizona (laughs) where you have to be you know 55 plus and really no kids there or my grandmother in Germany said she'd take me back and 
isn't that a wonderful thing that my, that my parents chose Arizona because they were perfectly fine with me, you know, going to grandma in Germany. But by God's grace, I ended up in Sun City, Arizona, where there was um, a kind of a fresh start. And my grandma said, we're starting fresh. There's like no baggage. Like you are, you're a clean slate here. And so you better take advantage of it. And, and I did for a little while on my own. Um, mind my manners and do the good things, but then I graduated high school. I um, There's one other girl in Sun City living with her parents, and she and I became friends, and she and I started getting right back into the drugs and the smoking and the lying and that, and, and then I went into um, Glendale Community College, and um, there was Campus Crusade for Christ there. And I started going and hearing the gospel again. And again, I thought I was a Christian. But as I look at my life, how, how could I be? The, the deeds of the flesh are evident, right? And the Bible tells us that. Um, Mark um, 7, 20 through 23 says that Jesus was saying, that which proceeds out of a man, that is what defiles a man. For from within the heart of men proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adultery, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile a man. So, obviously, I was not a Christian, but seeds are planted. You know, seeds are planted there. And I uh, found out about a camp. I wanted to go into education. And there's this wonderful camp in northern Arizona in um, Pine Top Lakeside area called Camp Tadia. And maybe you've seen it driving by. It's by a different camp called Camp Grace. But anyway, it's a camp by the, it's run by the Lions Club, and it's for kids with disabilities. So they can come and have a camping experience. Mm. They go there, they are in wheelchairs, they're deaf, they're blind, they're, you name it. They have, you know, cerebral palsy, all sorts of, um, disabilities but the counselors we get trained in how to help these kids and of course there's a full-time nurse and uh, all the helps that a person with disabilities might need for them to just go and have fun at summer camp and so after I graduated high school I went there and spent a summer there as a counselor it was so hard and it was so wonderful um, and I went back after my first year at um, Glendale Community College also. And there I met this wonderful guy, <laughs> football player from U of A, big guy, um, curly hair, bushy beard, and he was a counselor there. And I... That's her husband. Yeah, sweet man. <laughs> That's my husband. <laughs> yeah, I guess you should put that in at that point. Um, Jeff and I were as about as opposite as can be. 
I mean, he's a football player, comes from a football player family. His dad played professionally, and he's you know training for his his next year in, in sports. And I'm a kid who we never watched sports. We had to listen to <laughs> classical music, go to opera, and, and watch slides on architecture, <laughs> so we could identify it when we went to Europe. <laughs> we were so different. But God put us together, and the first thing, you know, I asked Jeff, I said, hey, you want to get high? And he said, no, no. And he was the first man that ever, like, said that to me. And I actually asked him, well, why not? And he said, well, I don't need that. I don't need that. Oh, my eyes are open. Oh, you mean it's okay to not need that and that's where I learned so much like you don't have to follow the crowd you don't have mm -hmm. to do what they do Jeff um, was already a Christian and I thought I was you know mm -hmm. um, but Jeff taught me so much and we both still had a long way to go because um, just the way that we got married was not right. We just eloped six months after we met and didn't tell anybody. I'm living with my grandparents and he's living at U of A and one weekend we just go down get married and then I go back and live with my grandma. <laughs> wow. Hello. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, and nobody knew. So what do you do with that? I mean, that's how yeah. dumb I was. But God has a plan and God overrides dumbness. He is sovereign and that's what I needed. I needed Jeff. I needed that because once we got married, my life took a trajectory of upward, you know, um, climb and we started going to a church right away after my, my parents, we had told them I was married and all that. Um, and so then I moved down to U of A with Jeff and we started going to church and I learned what it was like to sit under expository preaching and I, my eyes opened and we went to Bible studies and we went to small group and we moved to Flagstaff so we both could graduate. Um, I'm 19 by now and he is 22 because I'm married at 18 and uh we you know plugged into church up there and joined a small group learned how to pray learned how to memorize scripture and so my life has been just um a lot of unpacking things that wrong thinking and things mm -hmm. i didn't know and it's it's god doing that that's why i say tender care mm -hmm. and the tenderizing care we'll get into Mm -hmm. how he he did that and how he got rid of a lot of pride and a lot of fear that I found out um, was kind of encrusting my heart that needed mm -hmm. to be gotten out of there and so we'll talk about some of the things God's used yeah. sure. wow Lori yeah that was an exciting life you led <laughs> 
I'm not sure that exciting is the right word. But I, we're so thankful. Yeah. I, so, every time the enemy brings up my past, um, I just say, I'm that's forgiven. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's forgiven. been a common thread in, in, in with all of the testimonies. Yeah. I feel like that's been something that you know, you're so ashamed of your sin and then God saves you and it's so clear that God gets all the glory and all the credit because you would have never, ever chosen mm-hmm. had God not chosen you. On our own, we, we really we love our We would sin. just go down that path, <laughs> yeah. you know, of um, rebellion and, you know, but God. And sin makes people. you stupid, you know? You are... It blinds you. You can fool yourself yeah. to anything. And yeah. as an adult now, as a grandma, looking back and thinking the things I thought, <laughs> the things I thought would be okay. Yeah. yeah. God is good and gracious, yeah. isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so the reason we we brought you, Lori, mm-hmm. or that you even volunteered to come and talk with us about yes. this um, is is the, actually the topic of living life with a prodigal child. Um, children. Children, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. even. But just, you know, to be an encouragement um, to see what God has done through your family and how he's mm-hmm. still working and all of those mm-hmm. things. So maybe we should have our little bell now. Oh. Ooh, oh, do oh. you have that thing? We have a bell. <laughs> I was excited to do that. So let's just jump right in because yes. we have a lot we want to talk about. Um, so before we get into prodigal children, yes. let's just tell us about your family mm-hmm. and how many kids, kids you have. And, you know, so we know how many yeah. you have and how many we need to pray for. Ooh. <laughs> you know, awesome. not that the other ones don't need mm-hmm. prayer, but mm-hmm. you know, pray for Jacob. Mm-hmm. He's forty, and uh, so he's. He's one of the elders at mm-hmm. Grace Bible Church, so appreciate prayer for mm. all of them. Is he your oldest? Yes. He's okay. my elder and my eldest. Get it? <laughs> 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 You're so funny. And then we have Christopher, and he's the happy-go-lucky, oh, just sweet he's a golf pro so Jacob's life is books and learning Mm -hmm. and Christopher's first word was ball (laughs) and he um, he plays um, golf for a living so he teaches and uh, does tournaments whenever he can Mm -hmm. and he has two kids Jacob and Kiki have three so those are my grandkids um, we have so those are the ones who keep me encouraged. Mm-hmm. Then we have the ones who keep me on my knees. Mm-hmm. We've got Stephanie who's thirty-five, and then we have Matthew who's twenty-nine. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and we'll we'll get to more detail on Stephanie and Matthew, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yes. We also had some foster kids in between all mm-hmm. that. Um, Matthew's adopted, mm-hmm. so between. Um, so we had we had Jacob first, and then I was pregnant with Christopher, and Jeff and I saw a sign on a bus, because we were taking the bus a lot, because it's cheap, and we were poor, mm-hmm. and uh, it said foster parents needed, and mm-hmm. we thought, oh, we can change the world, we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we signed up, and... Um, you are an educator at yeah. heart. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Jeff's background in physical therapy, and my background in special ed and elementary ed uh, 
it was a perfect fit. We a sweet a sweet child who had polio mm -hmm. as a, as a um, a baby and um, was walking on Canadian crutches and so he he joined our family um, and then I had Christopher and then um, we took in two other foster kids. They were the they were the teenage um, they were teenagers that um, were kind of caught in between they, they weren't severed from there was parental rights were not severed so they couldn't be adopted mm -hmm. but they couldn't go back to mom and dad so they were in the foster system mm -hmm. and kind of stuck there so we took them from about 14 to about 18 and we did that um, had Stephanie our only daughter and then um, decided yeah we better not do foster parenting anymore we've done it for eight years but our kids were getting to the ages where we really wanted to focus on them see them through junior high and high school mm -hmm. but our heart was that we we wanted to help kids so we adopted a child that we found out about um, through a mutual friend whose grandma was looking to have a family take him because her daughter had had him um, and then was arrested right mm. after that. She had two others in prison. Um, I mean, gave birth to them while she was in prison. So there were three kids and um, grandma was looking for adoptive homes for these kids. And we um, prayed about it and everyone was excited about it. And we welcomed in Matthew. He was 18 months old when he started living with us. Okay. It was an open adoption. Grandma didn't want to leave the influence and leave um she didn't want to just say goodbye to him so we agreed to that and uh, he would go visit her pretty regularly she lived in phoenix and we lived in tucson so uh, so that's matthew mm -hmm. and that's that's our family okay so we'll go ahead and go to our next question mm -hmm. Lori. so what is a prodigal child mm -hmm. Everyone has a, a different idea of what that is, um, how that looks in your family. But basically, we get the definition from the Gospel of Luke, because mm -hmm. Jesus is the one who talks about it. In Luke 15, um, basically, a prodigal is one who's walked away from Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. He, um, If you want to read the story, it's in Luke 15, verse 11 through 32. This prodigal... <laughs> As I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking basically he just wants to leave the headship of his father, right? And do things his mm -hmm. own way in his time. He doesn't want to wait. He wants his inheritance now. Um, he rejected his dad's wisdom. He rejected the way it was supposed to be. And he mm -hmm. foolishly squandered his inheritance. Um, our children do that, don't they? They reject our wisdom and the truth that we've pointed them towards mm -hmm. and they go down sometimes a very painful destructive path and leave mom and dad in anguish mm -hmm. and in grief but it's also a story of redemption because mm -hmm. finally he came to his senses and the bible doesn't tell us how long that lasted mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. but he had to uh he had to uh lose his wealth he had to lose his friends and he had to lose his dignity 
until he got so low that he just desired to eat the pig's slop, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then he decided, he came to his senses, mm -hmm. and he decided life's pretty good at home. Mm -hmm. But the prodigal is also a story of the dad, right? Mm -hmm. It's a story of the dad who's waiting and watching and eager to mm -hmm. welcome his mm -hmm. child back into home, into the fold, and forgive. So in essence, it's a story of our lives before Christian, before mm -hmm. we, we were in Christ, mm -hmm. because we were those foolish, foolish mm -hmm. children mm -hmm. who wanted our own way. And yeah. it's a story of how the Father welcomed us, looked for us, pursued us, welcomed yeah. us yeah. into his fold. Yeah. So can you share with us about, mm -hmm. um, I mean, we've kind of alluded to that mm -hmm. you've had two that mm -hmm. have, have mm -hmm. gone the prodigal route. And mm -hmm. um, so can you kind of, let's break it down into each one. So mm -hmm. that your, your first, um, your daughter, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Can you tell us about what happened there? Sweet Stephanie. Um, you know, as I'm, I'm thinking about Stephanie's life and my life, mm -hmm. I thought, here's some of the foolish thinking I had. I had a lot of foolish thinking. But foolishly, I thought that if I just told my kids about Jesus and we raised them to sing songs about Jesus, go to church, you know, from utero on, mm -hmm. you know, um, put them in front of good teaching, I mean, everything. If you just take them to Christian camp and put them in Christian, in youth group and all this, that's it. That's good. You know, you read the Bible with them and pray with them and they pray to receive Jesus in their heart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's good to go. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to just be a better parent than my mom and dad were. You know, and so I told my mom, I said, the first so many years of my parenting life, I just thought I'm going to do it better than you, Mom. And then after that, I thought, oh, I'm just going to try to be as good as Mom. <laughs> you know, because you see when you grow up and you see how hard parenting is, mm -hmm. ah, then you realize, wow, you outside of God's sovereign, you know, sovereignty and outside of His help. We're, see the yeah, heart of the human, right? The, the 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 problem with the human condition is the human heart, right? That is it at the heart. It's mm -hmm. it's your heart. And so Stephanie, she prayed the prayer and did that. Said she's a Christian, sang the songs, went to Bible study, fellowship with me, all that. But she really wasn't saved, and I didn't. I thought she was. I, I didn't know yet that there's such a difference of, you know, saying that you are and evidencing it by your fruit. Mm -hmm. And so we foolishly, you know, treated her as if she were a Christian because we didn't know better um, at the time. But Stephanie slowly but surely started uh, pulling away from us at about age, it started in about junior high. She... She started junior high, a sweet, well, I, 
as a gifted, very smart. She is very smart girl, and she's very gifted and um, started junior high great and there you know went to high school went to a gifted high school and then she started rebelling and um sneaking doing the things i did sneaking out at night lying to us and the harder we pushed her as far as taking away privileges doing the things that you know natural consequences the harder she pushed back until i remember one day just i was at the kitchen table and i was setting the table and i was just pleading with god and i said god whatever it takes save my daughter because i knew she was on a destructive bent where she was going to I didn't know what she was going to do, but I knew it wasn't good. She was lying to us, and I had confronted her about several things. And I said, Stephanie, I'm just not sure you are a Christian, are you? And she said, I, I'm just not ready to answer that question. I said, well, we're going to have to have a talk about that. So I was pretty... I was pretty concerned about her salvation at this point. I'd found literature in her. Um, she'd gone to Washington, D.C. on a class trip, and I found literature there about feminism and um, the occult a little bit about that, you know, and so I was... I was very concerned. We we had taken her to our, our her youth pastor, and they were meeting with her and counseling her. Anyway, I'm I'm very concerned with her, and I put I'm ready to put the plate down. And I said, Lord, whatever it takes, please save my daughter. And just the thought came to me, like I've just thought to myself, really, Lori, whatever it takes. Are you really really willing to pray that prayer? And I and I thought, yes, God, whatever it takes. And um, two weeks later, two weeks later, that was the day before Mother's Day, <laughs> she, um, she ran away from home. She took off. Um, and we discovered that she hadn't come back. Now, she'd snuck out before, and... You know, she'd come back and we'd have, oh, you know, we'd have all the consequences and tearing our hair out. What are you doing? And pleading with her. But this time she didn't come back and now she's gone. And it's 24 hours and now it's 48 hours. And when do you call the police? When do you not? So we called the police, you know, I called all of her friends, nothing. And she was, she was gone she was gone and so we uh the police came over and uh, interviewed us and they got you know the case going and uh long story long story short i mean life had to go on i'm teaching jeff has to take christopher to asu he's starting school it's going to be a summer school that he starts and he had to go and I'm home with Matthew I have to you know finish the school year and and raise our 
our son Matthew and uh, Jacob and Kiki came from, they're married at this time, and they come down and spend the night. Just, I didn't want to be alone in case she came home drunk or high or something in the middle of the night, and they spent the night on the in the living room, so they, she'd have to trip over them if they <laughs> came, if, if she came home, but nothing, she was gone. And we hired a private detective. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought, well, what do you, what do they do? This is not like a movie, you know, Lifetime mm-hmm. Television for Women, <laughs> you know, where where the, they hire the private detective and they go out in the rain looking for their child, and there she is, and there's the hugs, and <laughs> and it's over in two hours. That that didn't happen. And what happened was what we discovered was that she had a group we don't know quite all the details but she had a group that helped her go underground so the lies she must have told them to help her uh, we can only imagine but she disappeared off the face of the earth she had a scheme where she she sent us a letter it was postmarked from chicago and at this time we had hired a private detective also to help find her I don't know if I said that already but we found out that even though that was postmarked Chicago the detective assigned to her case went to Chicago and found the, the you know the the person you know the house where it was uh, addressed from and they said no she she talked us into mailing it from here because she told us this sad story about how evil her parents are. And so (laughs) she wasn't in Chicago. Where it ended up that she was, eventually, was Mexico. (laughs) She ended up living with a group in in Mexico. Um, But she has been gone for 19 years. I have not seen her for 19 years. She has been gone. She's the girl that, you know, those posters that you see in Walmart and what? Have you seen this child? She, her picture was there. I remember um, once going shopping in Flagstaff or somewhere. Or, no, it was Colorado. And I come out of the store and there is, you know, the have you seen this? And there's her picture, you know. Now, Stephanie saw those pictures, too. And she wrote us a letter and said, I know you hired a private detective. She called it a gumshoe. You know, I know you've hired that. And I know I've seen I'm not missing, nor am I exploited. Get out of my life. Leave me alone. And so um, that was about two years later. So for two years, we didn't know whether she was alive or not. Oh, my goodness. So how did you find out that she was in Mexico? Um, she told, so she needed her birth certificate. And so she contacted a cousin of hers in Phoenix and said, I need my birth certificate and I don't want to talk to my parents, so I need you to kind of finagle it. So tell a story. I don't know what kind of story you're going to make up. Hey, auntie, can you give me uh, my cousin's birth certificate? Because I really kind of need that. You know, come on. But so we found out. And uh, she would not, Stephanie did not want to speak with us. But she spoke with Jacob and Kiki. 
and she spoke with them and uh, in order for her to speak with us she wanted us to sign a waiver she was working for an attorney down there um, and she wanted us to sign a waiver that we would not prosecute the group that helped her get away mm. and if we signed that then she would talk to us well Jacob said counseled us to not sign that because Stephanie's the kind of girl that always wanted control she wanted to control the situation she was really good at that good at getting between dad and me you know playing one against the other and uh, so Jacob said no you guys need to be a team you need to be one so if Stephanie's going to talk to you mom it's going to be with dad too and that was good advice mm -hmm. and so we said no and at that point ladies we just let her go mm -hmm. it was very hard it was very hard but it was the thing to do there's mm -hmm. there's a story I don't know if it's true or not but the people that at first in like 1947 or whatever the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered and they were some of them were ripped, you know, they needed to be repaired. And the story says that in order to restore the documents, uh, the people damaged them more than they really restored them. Think like tape, you know, packing tape or something, I'm not sure. But uh, that they had to work harder to restore the restoration than if it would have been left alone and I, I just thank God that I really felt the hand of God on me just saying it's okay just stay just stay stay here don't don't do much let you know let me take care of it so wh what am I going to do right as much as it depends on you be at peace with all man mm -hmm. well we what it depended on us we really couldn't do much but later she started emailing us and as much then I got her email address and so just faithfully I would send her an email a couple times a year love you miss you she might reply no thank you you know thanks but no thanks but nothing so we we let her go yeah so what is life now yeah. with Stephanie? Is it still the same? Thank God things are a lot better. I can say just in the last year, things are a lot better. Mm. There, That's another long story, and I don't think we have the time for all <laughs> these long stories, but God works in really creative ways, and he worked in, in a, a very sweet way through a GoFundMe account mm -hmm. a, a few years ago where um, Kiki, my daughter-in-law, actually found her and said, I think I found Stephanie, mm -hmm. and she had changed her name, and so... Hmm. I mean, how would we even know? You know, her name is completely different now, uh, first name and last name. And so, um, but she was found. And so we were able to, we thought, well, as much as it depends on us, hey, we have some money. We can fund this GoFundMe account and tell her how much we love her. And actually, a lot of people in her family did that also. Mm -hmm. So here she is blown away with all these people that she left years and years ago didn't want anything to do with mm 
mm-hmm. and that softened her heart. We were able to do that again. And so mm-hmm. last year on the day David was getting his bone marrow transplant, Stephanie contacted Jacob with a random question about the IRS, and mm-hmm. uh, Jacob was able to direct that to us, and we've been in slow but steady communication with her mm-hmm. email-wise since and it's been it went to where oh you evil parents you uh you're just doing everything to sabotage me to hey on her 35th birthday thanks for giving me birth Mm. you know isn't that wonderful wow Wow. yeah so she still doesn't really want to be found though right no Mm -hmm. we are um we are just telling her we love her and we miss her and there's a place for her here if she ever wants to come back she's 35 and so you know she's an adult how are you doing on time amy we gotta get going (laughs) (laughs) so um we'll go ahead and tell us then about your your second matthew well matthew is a fetal alcohol effect child that means his mom took uh, a lot of alcohol mm. when he was when he was in her in utero and also she did meth and mm. crack cocaine and so he those kind of kids it's hard to parent again there goes mm. you know my pride hello I thought oh I can just parent they, they told us about this going into the adoption and I thought oh oh I got my education degree I'll handle this um <coughs> it is uh, it is a real challenge Mm -hmm. you know to raise a child like that because consequences don't really matter Mm -hmm. Um, you can discipline you can make life as painful as you can think Mm -hmm. how can I um, you know make life rough for this kid and Matthew just I told him one day, I said, Matthew, it's like I'm in the grocery store and you're in the grocery cart and I'm putting in all the all the healthy food in the grocery cart, all the things in your life I'm putting, Matthew, that are healthy for you, that help you. We even had him hang out with a police officer because he got in trouble. He got arrested all the time. And the cops would bring him back to our house and say, oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing this look you've got a mom and a dad Mm -hmm. you know you've got this home why are you doing this and I said Matthew we're we're putting in all this great privilege in your cart and you as quickly as you can are throwing them out of this grocery cart of life as we're wheeling you down the aisles I said this is really like maddening Matthew listen and I told him how I didn't listen and how at 16 what I did you know Matthew this is serious you've got to just play the game I said follow the rules you've got to finish high school you've got Mm. to just be a good citizen well again you you can't polish the outside of the cup right Mm. you've got to work on the heart and his heart was hard and he was that kid that um, I would warn the parents about I said yeah you want to have my kid over I'm just telling you he's the kid you don't want your kid playing with I had to tell parents that Mm. I had to say if you want him over you know you're welcome to but I want you to hide your purse Mm. because he's going to steal from you 
If he were in your house for five minutes, he'd he'd steal from you. And we found under his mattress, we you know found a plethora of jewelry, cash, things like that that he'd stolen from people. Mm-hmm. He stole, stole, stole. Well, what? But we were all all in. We were, of course, dedicated to this child, going to help him as much as we could. And Jacob finally, um, Jacob and Kiki. <laughs> finally just knew we were so struggling and Jacob said to me one day mom why don't you and dad consider moving up to to Chandler and I can help you shepherd Matthew's heart and I thought shepherd his heart I don't know what that is but I like that (laughs) whatever that is I want that that was the first time I'd ever heard Mm -hmm. that and um, so we had this house that's in your neighborhood. Yeah. We bought that house. <laughs> okay. And and talking to Amy, um, as I say <laughs> that. And uh, we were going to move and get him going into high school, into I think it was 12th grade. And uh, Matthew ran away from home in Tucson, just ran ran away. Mm-hmm. And we didn't, we didn't know where he was for three days. And my friend who works at, who's at church, my friend from church works at food stamp office down in Tucson and called me. I'm at school um, teaching and uh, it was the bre- a break and she said, I have Matthew here and he's applying for food stamps. <laughs> I said, okay, well, give him a lot of paperwork <laughs> and I'll be right there. <laughs> And it ended up he was living at the Gospel Rescue Mission. He had just found a, a homeless guy to live with, and he was, lived in the Gospel Rescue Mission. Um, and I said, Matthew, what are you doing? Oh, this is really cool. This is where we used to go and feed the homeless Thanksgiving dinners. And now here I am living here. Isn't this great? You know. So I got a phone call from Tom Angstead. <laughs> Whatever you need, Jeff and Lori will help you. Isn't that mm. sweet? Mm. And so we hightailed it up here. Mm. <laughs> and Matthew joined Jacob and Kiki's small group, and we started going to church. And uh, then one day we got a text and said, I'm not coming home. Um, Nana, that's his grandma, his bio grandma, Nana and I um, got all of my things, and I'm moving in with her. Surprise, we call it the surprise from surprise because she lived in surprise. Well, what she what he had told her was, uh, Mom and Dad are real strict with me. See, he would steal, he would get up and steal cars in the neighborhood. Um, he would get up, so we got him up at 4 30 in the morning thinking if he gets up that early, we're going to. I mean, if he gets up in the middle of the night when we're sleeping and sneaks out and steals cars well we're going to get him up at 4 30 in the morning and have him exercise with us and have him you know get him tired so he <laughs> sleeps through the night but um, she thought that was cruel that we get him up that early and uh, she made up a story about us um, took us to CPS you know uh, said that they are abusing parents and I'm, t- and I'm taking them so we had to go to court we had to have a hearing and um, they said no that's ridiculous really we have no case there's no case against you and Jeff um, but Matthew's now the age where he can choose where he wants mm-hmm. to live and so um, we thought well if he comes back to live with us he'll just run away again 
and so I didn't want it to happen but again we had to let him go we just we had to let him go and we did so where he what happened to him he ended up he's in prison he is in prison in Florence now he has been arrested and rearrested and he has um, broken his parole so many times that he got a seven and a half year sentence and the good news is he came to his senses because of God's grace in his life he received Christ in prison he has a great relationship with us. He gets out in October, mm-hmm. and he has a job in prison. And he said to me, I told him I was doing this podcast, and he says, yeah, my story is a good one to tell. Mm-hmm. And it's all of God's grace in, in my life, he says. So just I'm telling you from Matthew's lips that um, he how how far he had to hit rock bottom mm. he had to hit rock bottom many times before before that was like the last bottom mm-hmm. to hit but we always wondered how far does this boy have to go mm-hmm. yeah. we might have to skip over some questions mm-hmm. <laughs> where do you want to go to um Ooh. I don't know. What do you think, Lori? <laughs> Some of the questions. The, what you know, what do you want to say? My, I, I, I want to say that under there's a German saying, "Unter jedem Dach ist ein Ach," and and at rhymes, it sounds really guttural and awful in English. <laughs> but in German, it just means under every roof, there's an ah, there's an aha, there's an there's a sigh and a groan, and. Anyone listening to this podcast, you know, my takeaway, what I really want you to take away is that I know you're not alone. I know that there are a lot of parents with prodigals out there and that it is a, it's a sad, it's a sad place to be. It's a gut-wrenching place to be. Um, In my case, for it was Stephanie not knowing whether she was alive or dead is I, you know you can't imagine every mother's day you know that she would do that on mother's day um is hard and so my my goal is to just encourage any women that are listening that um i i'm here to help there are others here to help. The Bible, the teaching that we receive at Grace Bible Church is so helpful. You asked me once, what are the greatest challenges of watching children walk away? And I think that some of the greatest challenges uh, are just not making sure that you as a couple stay close and that you're not, you know, you're not looking at each other quietly going oh if he would have said this if she would have done this mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that child wouldn't have turned out like that don't think those thoughts they might come to you but kill them quickly kill them because that is not the truth mm-hmm. um, you've got to guard your heart 
um, Titus tells us a wonderful wellspring lesson being a Titus to woman Titus tells us to be sensible in our thinking mm -hmm. my father-in-law when when we were leaving visiting him he'd wave goodbye he lived in Phoenix we lived in Tucson and he'd say goodbye keep it between the ditches keep the car between the <laughs> ditches you know and I thought to myself that is a great way that is a great way to live Lori, you know, keep your thought life right there, right centered. And Titus, he didn't know he was telling me scripture, but Titus tells us to live sensibly, right, ladies? Mm -hmm. And and what that means is that we're we're not running to the extremes. Mm -hmm. So when you have a, a prodigal, I think the biggest thing that for me that I thought of are those what ifs. Oh, what if I would have mm -hmm. done this when Stephanie was in junior high? Or I would have said that. Um, or fear, what if Stephanie is sold into human trafficking? Mm -hmm. uh, you see all these stories, what happens if she's dead somewhere with a needle in her arm, you know? Uh, stop, you don't know that, you can't go there and so there are some remedies for that I'd love to share and the first remedy is just to rest in the omniscience of God you know God's omniscience what does that mean it means he knows everything it's it's his his knowledge is perfect he knows every circumstance he knows everyone he knows more than you John first John 320 says God is greater than our heart and he knows everything so we need to know scripture don't we mm -hmm. we need to use scripture to inform our thinking you know scripture is that diagnostic tool it's that self-surgery it's that x-ray it's that cat scan right that we can do on our own um, with the Holy Spirit's help so let's get ourselves up on that operating table every day and let's let hebrews 4 12 through 16 that says the word of god is living it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword it's able to pierce as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joint and marrow it's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of our heart and there's no creature hidden from God's sight. So wherever Stephanie is, she's not outside of God's view. All things are laid open and bare before the eyes of him. And therefore, because we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast the confession of our faith. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, there yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. And you see how much of that is like self evaluation and mm -hmm. self-help so when you have a prodigal and you're pointing your finger at that child like that child is out of control he's this she's that you know the old analogy you've got one finger pointing forward but you've got all the rest pointing back <laughs> you know that one you've got to for every look at the problem you got to take 10 looks at Christ 
Hmm. You know, you really do. Like, get your eyes off of your problem. Don't tell, this is kind of corny, but I love it. Don't tell God, I have a big problem. Tell your problem you have a big God, right? Hmm. And change your perspective. Preach the gospel to yourself. Um, the the word of God is so helpful. For instance, a, a big help to me was Psalm 37. And it says, do not fret because of evildoers. Don't fret because of Stephanie. Don't fret because of Matthew. In verse 2, it says, they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. But three, what are we supposed to do? Trust. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Ooh, dwell in the land and do what? Cultivate faithfulness. You mean this is where I have to dwell, God? I don't want to be here. I, I don't want to be that girl. I don't want to be that mom. I want to be the mom on the Christmas card whose kids are all around her and everybody's smiling. God, I want to be that mom. I want to be the mom that Mother's Day is like a really great day. Well, it can be. It's my choice, right? How I make it. I've got wonderful kids and in-laws, two sweet daughters-in-laws. I've got it made in the shade, right? So we've got to dwell in the land where God put us, not try to get off of it. This is where he put us. Cultivate it. There's a lot of cultivating you can do in your own heart by feeding it the word of God. Then it goes on to say, delight yourself in the Lord. And there's where you, you go, oh, there's my tendency to want to make an idol out of things, right? So mm-hmm. an idol is, is what you put your, you, you change your resources, these wonderful things that God gave us, you change them into thinking they're your source. No, they're just a resource. They're wonderful things that God gives you, but He is the source. So you've got to delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. What else do you do? Verse 5, you commit your way to the Lord. Okay, God, I'm going to commit everything I do to you, and I need your help. Because the next breath I take or the next thing I do, I want it to be the right thing. I want it to be the right thought. God, how can I do that? I'm just mean. I'm stupid. How can I do that? Well, verse, verse, it goes on. It says right here, trust in him. Oh, okay. I trust. And, and he'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yay. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. He's going to help me. He's going to bring to remembrance everything that I've learned. He's going to help me do the next right thing, say the next right thought. Wow. He will bring it. He will bring forth your righteousness as light and your judgments as a new day. Verse 7. Okay, God, I'm ready. What am I supposed to do now? Rest. What? Rest. Rest. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Whoa, God, I get to wait patiently for you? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not God. I'm so glad I don't have to handle this life because it's hard. Yes. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret. Do not fret. You know, Piper says God is doing 10 thousand things at once and you only stay like three of them right mm-hmm. so don't fret so notice how the emphasis is on shepherding your heart dwelling in the land it's a good place to be mm-hmm. wow Lori 
That was so encouraging. Thank you. Yeah. I think of my own heart and how with kids, when you're a mom, you just have a, that's a fear. You want your, to see your kids walk faithfully. So I think you've given us good things to think about and how to shepherd my own heart. Yeah, to be faithful ourselves. And whatever yes. God chooses to do, mm-hmm. you know, to trust and rest in that. Mm-hmm. And cultivate faithfulness. And to yeah. know where your sins are, what you tend towards. My tendency was pride. I can do it better. Mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. I just am this Christian now. I, I'm going to raise my kids better than my mom and dad raised me. <laughs> you know, and, and fear. Oh, what if? What if? What if this? What if that? Fear. Those two were my things that God had to faithfully, gently take away out of my heart. And and in Hebrews, you know, instructs us after all the great cloud of witnesses, you know, in 11, 12 says, run the race, you know, faithfully. I think here he gives us permission to run with scissors, ladies, <laughs> because we get to, what do we get to do, right? Cast off cut off every encumbrance that so easily entangles us. <laughs> I was trying to figure where this is going So I'm running with scissors, and I see, you know, the pride. Oh, oh, the fear. Oh, no, there it is again. You know, and I can just cut, 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 because the Word of God helps me with that, because mm-hmm. God is sovereign. You know, um, just there's so many great quotes but um, one of them, Spurgeon, is writing to somebody, and he says to her, he's trying to encourage her, and he goes, God is sovereign, and I'm paraphrasing, God ordained for you to have a 10, a number 10, whatever that is. God ordained for you to have that. So because he ordained for you to have that, he's not going to give you an 11, nor would you ask him for a 9, right? <laughs> because God gives you exactly what you need. So you can rest and trust in his sovereignty mm-hmm. always. Yeah. That's very wow. encouraging. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that is encouraging to anyone listening mm-hmm. that, yeah. you know, is in the depths in the of, yeah, of, of prodigal children. Yeah. Or even in the throes of shepherding your heart about the future fears of, that you have for your kids, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yes. Or in the throes of shepherding some fear. And before we cut it short i do want to say one thing that we've started at grace bible church and that is a prayer for prodigals so there are so many sweet women who and Lori is holding up a book before we Mm -hmm. forget prayer for prodigals 90 days of prayer for your child Mm -hmm. by james banks and we'll put a link on it Mm -hmm. in in the website there are a lot of great links there are a lot of great websites out there ladies that can help you there are websites that tell you how to pray for your kid and you can do that or you can just pray scripture you know and any scripture but this one is really good because it it just gives you know each day um something to pray for but we have started a Mm -hmm. prodigal prayer team at grace bible church Mm -hmm. i call it the mama bears praying prodigal prayers (laughs) and and we just get together once a month and we pray for the prodigals that we have in our lives and others that we know about at Mm -hmm. grace bible church and then on our own we pray throughout Mm -hmm. the week but um, we just started this i'm excited it's Mm -hmm. taken off Um, we started in january kind of talked about doing it in um 
last year and then January I finally said to my friend who started it with me hey let's just do it you know COVID or not let's get together and start mm -hmm. doing it so if there are any ladies out there at in Grace Bible Church that have a prodigal that and you would like us to pray for him or her please let me know mm. or if you'd like to join us once a month um, the next one is going to be the day after Mother's Day mm -hmm. at 10 o'clock at my house and um, come join us but you're all welcome and I wanted to let you know yeah, that we you. have that Thank yeah. you, Laura. And thank you so much for coming today and sharing all of that. I'm sure it's, you know, raw and scary and, you know, like, mm -hmm. and you're put still it out in there. It. It's and you're not, still in it. I mean, it's, it's not like Stephanie's repented. You know, we, we'll, we'll pray for that. But No, that two-hour movie has not ended yet. No, it hasn't, right? <laughs> you're still in the throes yeah. of it, shepherding your heart. And I'm still. sure there will be more, you know, there's going to be a journey once Matthew is out of prison. Yes. Right? Because, you know, there's... A lot to be said for what can happen in prison. You don't have mm -hmm. any outside anything. So once he gets out, like there's going to be prayer and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure challenges. Please, everybody listening, pray for us. Pray yes. for Stephanie and pray for Matthew. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. praise God, we have a faithful God mm -hmm. that is sovereign. And yeah. Well, we are looking ahead to next week and we. We might have just one episode left for the season. Uh, maybe two. Maybe two. But maybe just we'll one. Let you know we'll let you know next week. next week how it goes. But um, again, you know, thank you for all the feedback. And, you Subs know. Subscribe. Subscribe. What leave else? Leave a review. Leave a review. And um, share. Share. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all those things. I know. All those things. Okay. So as you go about your week, we want to remind you about what is eternal. We hope you have been encouraged today, for sure. And so we want to leave you with Isaiah 48. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.